Welcome to Modern Sales, a podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, and salespeople looking to have more and better conversations with your perfect clients. You'll get a healthy scoop of psychology, behavioral economics, and sales studies to help you create win-win relationships. I'm your host, Liston Witherell, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Modern Sales. Today, I have part two of my episode with Matt Inglot. So if you missed the first episode, go back to yesterday, download it, give it a listen. He talked all about how he uses technology in his business, both to deliver and separate himself from the competition. Today, Matt's going to talk about how he's building his personal brand as a business owner and packaging up some of the things he's learned in order to create almost a separate venture. So we're going to get to Matt in a second. Before I do that, if you need help packaging up what you know, if you need help selling your business, scaling up your sales at your firm, I'd love to talk to you. All you have to do is go to liston.io slash strategy to schedule a strategy call with me, or I should say apply for a strategy call. I can't guarantee we'll actually talk, but I have allotted some time over the next few weeks to speak to people just like you. Again, all you have to do is go to liston.io slash strategy to fill out that application. Without further ado, Matt, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Now tell me this, is it awkward at all to sit through me saying all of that stuff in the beginning? No, not at all. Okay, great. All right. Awesome. I'm glad. So in the last episode, we talked all about your, would you call it an agency or a consulting business? How would you refer to your Tilted Pixel? It's an agency because there's multiple people involved, but I oftentimes like to call it a micro agency. Calling it an agency, I think, gives the wrong impression. I mean, well, agency is a pretty generic term, but I mean, you think agency, you think like 50 people or 80 people. And at some point, it's the kind of business I wanted to build. And then I started building that type of business. And I realized that nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> and that's exactly the kind of business I didn't want to build. So now it's me. And it's I think we have a team of five. And that's it. And I have no aspirations to turn five into 50. Okay. So your micro agency, let's say. So in the last episode, we talked about that and how you've built your own technology, your own CMS content management system. And today, what I'd like to talk to you about is you, Matt, your personal brand. So for those listeners who don't know, you have Tilted Pixel, your micro agency, but you also have freelance transformation a podcast and sort of a brand of its own. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started Freelance Transformation three years ago, and it's there to help freelancers build a better business, ultimately, to find clients, to break out of the cycle of constantly wondering where your income's coming from, to help them find the right clients, which is a big thing, because I went through all that. I mean, I started selling a $300 website while I was still in university. And now I have six-figure clients. And I've gone on that entire 13-year journey. And I learned a lot doing it. And I realized there was a lot of things starting out that I didn't know that would have helped me accelerate that entire journey if I had known them. So I'm out there sharing that information now. 
and I've got a podcast, I've got an email list, I've got a course that I open spots for from time to time. It's all just based around like taking that knowledge and now helping the next generation so that we can cumulatively grow and not everyone has to figure this stuff out for themselves. And so when you started down this road, see, I would call this like personal branding. You said you wanted to help freelancers and like, obviously that's awesome, but I'm guessing there was some element of like raising market awareness of who you are as well. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And why was that so important to you? Why did that matter? To reach more people to build an audience of freelancers. I mean, it's a chicken and egg thing, really. Like you're saying, why is it important to build more awareness of who you are? Well, it's not really for my own ego. I do enjoy things like podcasts and everything, and that's a lot of fun. But I realized on that journey, for example, that I wouldn't want to be someone that's like speaking 300 days of a year and traveling around or appearing on TV all the time and everything, because that itself can be pretty exhausting. But yeah, I mean, it's important to build a personal brand in order to build that audience, in order to reach the people that you want to reach. And it's kind of cyclical. The more people you can reach, the bigger your brand, the bigger your brand, the more people you reach. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, I do want to say, though, that it's not a foregone conclusion that you're only doing it to reach more people. Because I was talking to a friend the other day. And he said he was very upfront about the fact that he has an ego and it really feels good. (laughs) And I'll tell you, you know, like yesterday, someone posted, I wish I remembered his name, but I don't, posted on LinkedIn that the Liston.io show, of course, very egotistically and narcissistically named after me, (laughs) I'll own that. He mentioned that it was the main business podcast that he listens to and goes to for information. And I'll admit, man, that feels really good. So I think there there is an element of that for me, for sure. And so that's why I asked, why was it so important and what did it mean to you? So freelance transformation allows you to raise your profile. It allows you to reach more people. How do you see this? Like, what is your vision of freelance transformation or your personal branding in relation to your agency work? Is that something that you want to completely take over? Well, first I'll say this. So the ego thing's definitely icing on the cake. I agree. That that feels amazing when people tell you stuff like that or recognize you at conferences, but it really isn't why I'm doing it because it's fun. It's nice, but ego is not a sustainable business model. Right. No, it's not. Unless you're a reality TV star, then it might be. But yeah, I mean, why the heck am I doing it? It's basically my side hustle. And it came from the fact that I helped a lot of clients build successful online businesses. And it kind of got to the point where it's like, hey, I want to try the other side of it. I want to see what it's like to create a product, to build an audience, to do all the things that normally my clients are stuck doing while we're providing the after half of it, which is actually building their websites and making their members be able to sign up and making their members convert better and basically taking their success and helping them add rocket fuel to it. Well, what does it feel like to build that initial success? And it's been very interesting because, I mean, first of all, it's been a lot of fun, but it has also taught me a lot, including that that other side is not that easy. And you and I were talking earlier before we started recording that it is a bit of a slog. Like it's a lot of work building that initial audience. It's a lot of work getting that initial exposure and building those initial connections. 
and figuring out really difficult problems about your business. Like, who are you targeting? What problems of theirs are you trying to solve? Why are you trying to solve them? You get to solve all that stuff. When my clients come to me, I can help them figure out where they're missing some of these elements but they have some sort of proven business model already, or they wouldn't be able to afford us. So starting from scratch, very different experience. So it is a side hustle. It's something different. You're asking, is it going to replace my agency? 10 years from now, who knows, right? I'm not going to commit to saying yes or no. But in the short run, definitely not. I love the agency. It's what I'm good at. And I'm not someone that's just trying to jump from running an agency to building products because products is easier. And in fact, so far, my experience has been very different. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just laughing because (laughs) content is such an attractive, like, basically, here's the attractive part of the content business to everybody. I can package up what I know in a course using whatever off-the-shelf learning system available out there. And once I do it, I can sell it forever and my marginal cost of goods sold is zero, right? I have a 99% margin forever. Sure, but what if it's not perfect and your content is not going to be great the first time? It's maybe good, but not where it could be. And it takes an exorbitant amount of time to improve it. And what I've found, and actually I'd love to hear your feedback on this. What I've found is finding the exact right piece of content where you're not going to be there to like fix it or explain everything. Matching that up exactly with your market is kind of a difficult thing because so many people need slightly different things or their focus is maybe 10% on this and 80% on something else. And the other person is the opposite. And so it's hard to exactly target that. What has your experience been in creating your freelance transformation product, which is a video course, right? Yeah, absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about that product and your experience with people's reaction and your ongoing evolution of that? Absolutely. And I'll talk about that. And I'll also rewind a little bit because that's not my first product. Back in school, I did try other products. Most of it like failed before it even launched. (laughs) But I had one that had moderate success. And it was a utility for Windows back in the day when people installed programs on their computers instead of things all being in their web browser. And I mean, I was like, what, 17, maybe 18 years old when I wrote this thing and it did make some money and it was selling. But I've also made a lot of classic mistakes where I spent a lot of time being the inventor and not a lot of time being the marketer. Right. So I ended up with a really cool program that was a really great fit for me and my needs and not for nearly as many other people's needs. And when you're selling it for 20 bucks a piece, you need a lot of customers. So it did okay, but it didn't do great. And then as I kind of evolved and went down my entrepreneurial journey and started my agency, I found very quickly that services are easier than products. The products, the big thing they have the advantage of is especially digital products, not so much the manufactured stuff, but digital products have the big advantage of being able to scale like crazy when there's demand for them. 
but emphasis on when there's demand for them. So I meet a ton of product entrepreneurs where they give me the whole spiel about like, why are you doing services? Products is so much easier. And meanwhile, they're slogging trying to make their product work. And three, four, five years later, they're either still slogging trying to make the product work or they've given up and are doing something else. So going from having a moderately successful product like my first one to one that can actually benefit from the scalability of a product means you got to hit a lot of things out of the park. And that's hard. Doesn't mean it's not worth doing, but it's hard. With something like services, the nice thing is, is if there's demand for your service, you know it right away because the client has signed a contract and has even agreed to pay you the money and hopefully pay you the money in advance before you do any work. So you get paid right away. And that's kind of the model that I've been living off for the last 13 years is if I meet with a client and they like what I have to do and say, I can collect a very big check very quickly. Now, freelance transformation has been a very different experience because you're investing the time upfront. So no one's going to hand you a check for 50 grand or 100 grand and say, hey, I want this. You're putting in tons and tons of time and effort trying to build an audience, trying to figure out what that audience wants, what are their big pain points, trying to find something that's going to fix that pain point, and then trying to find a way to market them in a way where they say, hey, you're right, this will fix my pain, and I want this. And it's a very iterative process. So I started Freelance Transformation in 2015, and really, I was kind of doing stuff on it in 2014. And now it's 2018. And I've built an audience. I've put a ton of work in it. But it's just now starting to make some money. If you actually look at the hourly rate of all the time that I put into that, it's very, very poor. Working for McDonald's would have been a much better proposition. So basically, you're investing that time up front. And you're hoping that eventually the product sells enough that the hourly rate you get on it is very good. Whereas with services, it's the other way around where you basically know your hourly rate. There might be some fluctuation. I don't know if I'm going to make like 200 or 500 an hour on a project, but I know it's going to be a decent amount of money versus with products. If you put in all that work up front and then you either don't follow through or you just find that what you're doing is not working, you could end up spending like amazing amounts of time working on this thing and it could sell a little bit. And then your hourly rate is like 50 cents an hour, which is what happened with my first ever product, basically. I put like two years into development of this thing, but there was a lot of marketing information I didn't know. So in the end, when I look at how much it actually sold for, again, McDonald's would have been a better value proposition for me. But if you follow through on that and you keep selling the product and keep expanding it, you do eventually hit a tipping point where, yeah, I mean, potentially a product can make you a lot of money per hour. I don't know too many product people that have genuinely built something that they can just step away from and not do anything without it eventually dying out. I've got another business that that's basically what happened to it. I bought it and it did awesome for like 10 years and I basically eventually fizzled out, but I bought it for a good price and it worked really well for me. But product businesses are still a lot of work. Yeah. And just to be clear, you're mostly referencing when you say product business consultants or people with expertise who are packaging their knowledge. Is that right? Yeah, talking about digital products. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so if I could summarize your advice, Matt, is don't build a personal brand or a product. Go work for McDonald's. Did I get that right? (laughs) 
<laughs> it depends. I, that's not my advice at all. <laughs> but I think you really got to want to do it. Right. And I don't think it's such a clear cut thing where like, hey, products are always going to be better than services, because I feel like actually from a financial standpoint, that seems to not play out for most people. I would share an anecdote with you. So this year I've invested a lot in LinkedIn in particular as a primary channel where I've built my personal brand and the podcast was launched in July, but LinkedIn, I started doing lots of scalable marketing there, which is still just grueling work starting in January. And so I started to get messages from people asking about like, what am I doing and what's my experience? And when I launched the podcast, I had posted about it on LinkedIn and someone messaged me on LinkedIn and they said, Hey, I'm just curious, what is the ROI of a podcast episode? And I said, you know, dude, I think you shouldn't think about a podcast if you're going to look at it like that, because you're going to be extremely disappointed. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be three, six, 12 months of work before you can even assess that question. So you have to believe this is worth my time moving into it. And you have to like it because there's going to come a point where you're like, gosh, you know, Seth Godin talks about the dip. I don't know if this is working. I don't know if it's worth it. You have to have some way to get through that. And so I totally agree with you. There's a lot of work that goes into this for an uncertain payoff. Yeah. And I know your question is a bit of a joke, but like going back to, is it worth it or is, are you better off doing McDonald's or better yet consulting rather than McDonald's? I think that that mindset is exactly it. The person that is going into it with the mantra that products are easy and that's why they're getting into it because they're going to be able to scale quickly and make millions of dollars is the exact person that's not going to succeed because they're not going to be willing to put in the work. Whereas like someone like yourself, for example, that's putting in the work and recognizes, hey, I'm starting a podcast 18 months from now, there might be a return on that. That's the person that is going to succeed because they're willing to make that upfront investment into the product and into the business and into building the audience versus coming at it with the expectation that, yeah, the product will be a much better return on my time versus services. Well, in producing any content asset, like I'm big on this and you, dear listener, if you've been with me for a while, know that I'm a big promoter of content marketing generally because like, for instance, I'm not exactly sure which episode this is, but I started the podcast in July. By the end of the year, I'm going to have something like 40 or 50 episodes. And those are things that I can package up and repurpose. And it's not just about the dollars and cents return on producing the podcast. It's also about what did I learn along the way? What new skills did I pick up? How can I leverage this in the future? So don't be so narrow in your thinking is my advice. I'm not talking to you, Matt. I'm talking to you, dear listener. Matt, I want to come back to something about freelance transformation and this investment you've made in it. For me, like this podcast really is targeted at the people who will buy my consulting services and I'll in the future create more products for them that are a little maybe easier to get into or a little lower price, lower commitment, I think is the big idea. For you though, freelance transformation isn't going to be the same target market freelancers as the people who can be multiple six-figure clients in your agency, do you see any overlap there? And if not, why did you choose to go that route? 
Yeah, and that's a fantastic question. It's funny because both of the podcasts we're doing together are basically based around controversial decisions I've made. First, the custom <laughs> CMS. I didn't mean to poke you. That that wasn't the intention. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, it's just funny how that's worked out. And then the second controversial thing is like, why build a completely different audience? And that's a very good question. And my resounding answer is because I felt like it. Uh-huh. It's not because it was a great business decision. The great business decision would have been to do something that just brings in more clients for my agency. But I just found that I was reflecting a lot on everything that I had learned building an agency. And one of the best ways to get better at something is to teach it. That's something I actually discovered while in university, where I was tutoring first-year economics while also taking it. And those were like the easiest exams I've ever written in my life, because at that point, I had learned the stuff so well. So it was more that I really had an interest in what makes a service business work. Why is it that for years, I was struggling and making very little money and working 80 hours a week? And then it felt like I made relatively simple changes to my business. And suddenly I had a six-figure income and was working 20 hours a week and traveling around Europe. Like, why did that happen? What makes a good services business? Are services businesses scalable? Why start a business in the first place? And what impact does it have on the rest of your life? There's just a lot of questions. Um, A lot of things I was thinking about. Now we're getting philosophical. Yeah, now we're getting philosophical. (laughs) Exactly. So being able to play in that space and be able to teach what I know, but at the same time, start a podcast and connect with 180 other freelancers, agency owners, etc. And go to conferences and things like that gave me the opportunity to do a deep dive on this topic. And that's what was exciting to me. I could have started a marketing podcast and done marketing things and attracted people to my agency, but that really wasn't the goal of any of this. Mm -hmm. It's because I wanted to do this deep dive. And at the same time, I wanted to start my own digital products business and learn from that. But surprisingly, that has actually also helped my agency both directly and indirectly. I've gotten referrals as a result of my freelance transformation work which I didn't expect, including one that ended up being like an $80,000 project. Amazing. So you can imagine how well that paid for a lot of the stuff I did on freelance transformation with no expectation of that actually happening. But it just, it wasn't geared that way. Well, it's interesting. I'm on the fence about awareness marketing, right? On the one hand, you're like, essentially what you just described, you want more awareness because if more people know that you exist and you're a viable, trustworthy, credible choice in the market, you're more likely to get business. It's just like the way word of mouth works. On the other hand, it's very expensive to invest in awareness as you were describing your McDonald's joke in investing in this. And I've definitely felt that. But I think the longer I'm in business, the more I err on the side of If I can have more people who know, and of course, more of the right people who know what I'm doing and why and who I am, the better. And so it sounds like, tell me if this was the case. Someone listened to Freelance Transformation. They knew someone who could use your services. And in that moment, they thought of you and made the referral. Is that about right? It was actually a guest. Okay. 
And that actually, as a bit of a tangent, that unlocks the real ROI of a podcast. It's oftentimes, I mean, it's great to have listeners and obviously get people on your email list, but sometimes the connections you make through the podcast have a much more direct ROI. Right. Which, and I'm using you for your connection in this very moment. So thanks for being here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, no, it's funny because I recorded a podcast. I also had Simon Thompson on here recently who does podcasting for agencies and service firms. And that was both of us like totally agree on that point. You can make valuable connections. You can also have potential clients on and just talk to potential clients and people are way less resistant to that hour they're spending with you than if you're selling them something or they perceive it that way. So I agree. hundred percent. That's a fantastic way to get clients, especially at scale. So if you are trying to build an agency at scale, yeah, start a podcast and bring your clients on. But even if you don't do that, like podcasting is basically a form of networking. Totally. Well, Matt, you have been so generous, humoring me, challenging you on some of these big decisions or asking about these big decisions. You've been so generous sharing how you built your micro agency, Tilted Pixel, and how you're building freelance transformation. I am certain some people want to follow up with you and learn more about you. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in building your freelance business and getting more clients, getting the right types of clients, then freelancetransformation.com. Check it out. Get on the email list. There's lots of good information that will come to your inbox. If you're curious about getting your membership site uh, revamped and you already have a successful membership site business, you're looking to take it to the next level, then definitely check out TiltedPixel.com. Get in touch and we can chat further. Wonderful. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Liston.